Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Melissa Mason. And just a little fun reminder to kick it off today is that we have a brand new episode of our monthly bonus series, The Watch Out. So it came out on Sunday and it's all about the new show on Stan called Everything I Know About Love based on the book by Dolly Alderton. And look, I'm not going to, you know, praise my own work here, yes. but I think it's a rollicking good listen. We consume <laughs> a few glasses of wine while recording. Always a good decision. And because the show touches on so many things that I think like especially, I mean, it's made for millennial women. Yes. Like if you kind of made this a lab, a show that millennial women would be obsessed with, it would be this. Yeah. But in the podcast, we get into talking about dating, relationships and sex and disagree about the show. And it's a fun time. So if you haven't listened to it yet, head on into the spill feed. And coming up on the show today, our favourite Nepo baby, Dakota Johnson, <laughs> has given, well, you know, she is, but she we, is. we overlook. Well, we'll get into that. Has given a very interesting new cover story interview to Vanity Fair, talking about some past career mishaps and her wild celebrity family. So we're going to get into that. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Well, another day, another celebrity kid whose life is nothing like ours. Northwest has had her ninth birthday party on the 15th of June, and Kim Kardashian just shared some wild pictures of what is, of course, the most elaborate birthday party in history. This year, North wanted a spooky wilderness-themed party, so Kim dusted off the private jet and set up Camp North, basically a G-rated summer camp horror movie set. Guests included Jessica Simpson's daughter Maxwell and BFF Penelope Dizick, and they got to zipline in the forest, go tubing on the lake, and slept in glamping tents covered in blood splatters with fake taxidermy deer heads, as you do. I love this kid <laughs> so much. I want to go to that party so bad. Out of all the Kardashian parties, this is the one this I want to go This is the to. one. Yes, I love how weird North is. And I also love how Kim lets her do her thing. She could have been like, mm, a murderous summer camp party isn't on brand. Let's do a mini Met Gala. But instead, she let North fly that freak flag. As a fellow weird kid who collected snails as pets and once made a home movie of World War II, I say this is great mum energy. No, no, no. Well, if you stayed up way too late last night, like me, if you can hear by my voice, like you, you always, <laughs> exactly. Well, I had to. It's like my body knew this was coming because just before midnight, Disney Plus released the first teaser trailer for the highly anticipated new movie. 
Hocus Pocus 2, reuniting our favourite sister witches, Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy and Jimmy as the beloved Sanderson sisters. So the original Hocus Pocus came out in 1993 and was billed as a fantasy comedy horror movie about a trio of child-killing witches, hilarious. Super normal. Super normal <laughs> who children's are, movie. <laughs> who are resurrected by a teenage boy in Salem on Halloween night. It might be surprising for some people to know that when the movie first came out, it actually got very mixed, mostly negative reviews and was a complete box office failure. But over the years, it's gained a really kind of popular cult following. People love it. And so there was a big push for Disney to bring it back. Here's the first trailer. So what are you guys doing tonight? Birthday ritual, scary movie marathon, same as every year. You know, legend has it. It's on the 16th birthday that a witch gets her powers. Another, Another year begins anew. Heir to Decapita Malica Mystica. Maiden, mother, and crown too. Heir to Decapita Malica Mystica. We call on thee with one request. Heir to Decapita Malica Mystica. Help our intentions manifest. Sanderson sisters. I bet you're looking for the stage. Always. Oh my God, I am so excited for this movie. I have huge nostalgia connection to this film, but also it was so terrifying. It was so not a child's film. It's still terrifying for me. Like I feel like because people knew the trailer was coming out, that beginning scene of the original movie where she's calling the children keeps getting played on my TikTok feed and I scroll right past that shit because that is terrifying. Like I think people forget because it is like, you know, a funny comedy movie and people remember Bette Midler singing on stage and being hilarious. Yes. I think people People forget that the movie opens with a child being like pretty horrifically killed, like yes. having the life sucked out of you by creepy witches in a secluded cabin where they've lured you away from your family. That is horror movie shit. It is. And then they do something worse than death to her brother by trapping him forever in the body of a cat and making him live alone for eternity while everyone he loves dies. Binks. What a so. kid's movie. Binks is so cute. <laughs> I know when that candle with the black flame is terrifying, like I'd forgotten about that. And then when I saw it in this trailer, it was like this visceral reaction of fear because I remember seeing it like I would have been like seven. Yeah. I would, it, was, it was not a movie I should have been seeing at that age. I remember the scene where they're like flying in the sky and snatching children. Mm, and it's just and the dead corpse calling comes out of the Yeah, that's the, so uh, creepy. Don't bring it up. Uh, and the like corpse pulls himself out of the grave don't. but his mouth is being sewn shut. Oh my God. What a great time. Anyway, that's back for kids and yeah. new generation to enjoy. <laughs> and new generation to be traumatised. <laughs> so what I also found interesting not to kind of get into behind the scenes drama with the show but as I was watching the trailer and obviously I should preface this by saying like it was so lovely to see Kathy and Sarah Jessica and Beth back in their characters and you could tell they just relished playing these roles again and being so campy and over the top but I couldn't help think about like Sarah Jessica Parker's recent interview about Kim Cattrall and kind of the huge media circus there was around her Mm. speaking out and saying that all the fault of what happened with Sex and the City was mostly on Kim Cattrall and she didn't see it that way. Because around the same time that came out, Kathy and Jimmy, who's her co-star in this, but is also best friends with Kim Cattrall like Mm. separately, was putting out all these tweets saying, I love you, Kim. I believe you. You're amazing. Dinner soon. And then Kim Cattrall put up a photo of her and Kathy together 
when they kind of wrapped just some like recent Hocus Pocus press saying, you know, trading secrets and gossip. Ooh. And it's like, I don't want to think they're doing it about Sarah Jessica Parker, but, but I think they're doing it about Sarah Jessica web. Parker. Yeah. Oh, that is so awkward. I mean, I, this must happen in Hollywood all the time, though. Like you're in a movie with somebody who is like besties with like your arch nemesis. Not saying that they're arch nemesises, but, you know. Yeah, we're saying this all tongue in cheek. They're probably just all working together fine. But it, this is how like normal workplaces work. <laughs> yes. You know, you're friends with someone who has a beef with someone else you work with, especially like in media and entertainment. Mm. So it's not crazy, but... Just as I was watching all those pieces together, I was wondering like what the upcoming Hocus Pocus press tour was going to yes, be like. Like, will they get along? Probably not. Anyway, we don't care. We're so excited for this movie, <laughs> and that's going to be terrifying. So it's coming to Disney Plus on September 30, and we will be talking about it when it comes out. <laughs> Dakota Johnson is Vanity Fair's cover star this month as she does the promo rounds for her new series, Persuasion, a Netflix adaptation of Jane Austen's best book, in my opinion. And it's a really interesting insight into who she is. Basically, reporter Britt Hennemuth spent a month interviewing her in various places, like her Malibu home with Chris Martin before the Met Gala. So it goes deeper than just like, this is my new series, love it. It's like kind of a real insight into the way Dakota's life is now, which is fun because I feel like Dakota is one of those stars that I don't really know a lot about. I just feel like she's not really a big social media person or anything. She doesn't share a lot of her life constantly like a Kardashian does. So I was really into all these little tiny insights into everything going on with her. Obviously, first up was the relationship with Chris Martin. I'm fascinated by it. I don't even know why I care so much. I think part of it is I was a big Coldplay fan back in the day. All right. So I think that's a Brave part of, of it. <laughs> Brave. Like how I love Nickelback and everyone's always like, what? You're are you braver to admit that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell everyone. I'm also interested. I think I'm like pervy about how the stepkids things work with Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, does Dakota ever open the door and Gwyneth's just there and she like carts the kids out to Gwyneth, you know? Oh, well, they spend a lot of time on their, like, or at least on Gwyneth's social media account because she's very open, kind of cultivating their best friends and they get along and stuff, yeah. which is nice to think of. I mean, they both come from these like Hollywood royalty families mm. and now they've kind of merged together. I think that's probably like, where your interest and everyone else's interest comes from. And you're right that we don't know a lot about – well, we feel like we know so much about Dakota Johnson because she had that kind of Jennifer Lawrence quality for a while where mm. she wasn't on social media or talking about her private life, but every time she did a press tour or she'd have all these little viral moments and they would get shared again and again over social media. So she got this reputation as being like almost snarky but very like quick-witted and almost unaware of her surroundings. Like always, yeah. she, she always looks like vaguely surprised to be on TV. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) which I enjoy, like very kind of just not quite with it. And I think it's interesting at the beginning of this article because I think they were trying to make her seem like a very relatable, quirky, Mm. every girl because – She's getting ready for the Met Gala and she's just has used a, a vibrator yes. to Hated drain her face. Because <laughs> she didn't bring her lymphatic oh, drainer. Not, I we're always not a beauty carry podcast. my lymphatic drainer around with me. And then she and her assistant share the vibrator. It was all very intense. And it all seems very like quirky and above board until you realise that the vibrator is from her company. So uh, she's like, is she just getting some promo I know. in there? Oh, I was so cringe. And then later on they do get into that viral kind of Chris Martin, Dakota Johnson moment where he was at his concert. And he said, this song is for my universe and she's here, camera pans to Dakota. Vomit. World goes wild. I mean, it's cute, but vomit. (laughs) This is the bit I liked about their relationship in this, right, is this moment she goes down to the beach with Brit, the reporter, and she's like, oh, my gosh, seals. And then they're looking at these seals and she's like, wait, are they seals? 
I didn't bring my glasses, which leads into a story about how one time she went to the beach and she spent 10 minutes looking at what she thought were seals with Chris, but they were actually just bits of seaweed, but he like played along <laughs> and was like, yes, the seals. But she I never know what to believe That's with her. Cute. Because, yeah, it's, it's like when she went viral for saying like, I love limes, rah, yes. rah, and then it came out later with like, she was allergic to limes. They were just in the house. And I was like, yeah. are you ever aware of your surroundings yeah. at all? <laughs> Is anything you say true? Ever? No, I, I honestly don't believe her. And then like, cause, you know, she's kind of known for like taking down Ellen DeGeneres, but she yes. plays so dumb on that. Yes. But she kind of weaves it into conversation sometimes. So I feel like she's playing like she doesn't know, but she knows. Yeah, because she brings that up again in this article or whether Brit brought it up or whether she did. Mm. But yeah, she definitely is giving this energy of, oh, I just happened to say something funny and here we are, like I'm viral news. But I did get the vibe that she was just a bit of a weird unit. Like she says this thing, I can't with this. She goes, she's at a dinner party and they're talking about the metaverse and then she goes, oh, I've got a few NFTs. And someone goes, oh, and she goes, nice fucking titties. And I was like, what are you saying? This is the thing. She tries to act like a bit of a down-to-earth kind of every girl, just, you know, I'm playing along with this joke, forgot mm. my glasses. But she just comes from like this crazy world that most of us wouldn't understand. Like she comes from Hollywood royalty. Yeah. She grew up in this kind of wild bubble. And I think that's why those things come out. Like she's never had to kind of like – try anything yeah about, well, maybe like, that's anything, what it I is think, yeah I think she's just used to a whole like room of people just finding her fascinating and quirky and funny and just like floating through life like I just I feel like that's the vibe when she's you look just at like yeah like awkward energy but then maybe she's just an awkward person and then it kind of almost gets spun into quirky because she is so famous and it is interesting you say that because in the interview there are little snapshots of her youth and she doesn't bring them up it's like other people so Riley Keough which is obviously Elvis's granddaughter mm. I'm obsessed with her she and Dakota are really good friends they met when they were 15 of course they are of course they are and Riley talks about how they both had these boyfriends in the same band. I tried to figure out what the band was, couldn't figure it out. And they used to just roam Sunset Strip. And she was like, oh, it was almost a bit of a weird 70s vibe from us. And it's like, that is so Hollywood, it hurts. Yeah, but exactly. then Dakota doesn't bring that up. It's like other people in her life are mentioning these incredible Hollywood moments that she had as a kid that really would categorize her as a little Nepo baby. But she's like, oh, no, like here I am in my Malibu home just going swimming and looking at fake seals with my boyfriend. So yeah, I don't know. But I think the best tea from this article is obviously about Fifty Shades of Grey. And Dakota goes in. Like, she goes in. I wonder if she feels like enough time has kind of passed. Oh, it has. she gets into it. But the thing is, she's never actually slammed those movies badly to her credit. Like, I think she knows that that was a bit of her Hollywood meal ticket to go from, like, Nepo baby famous daughter to kind of being seen as a leading lady. So I think she kind of takes that on. But the more time goes along, the more she kind of puts all these digs in all her interviews about them. Because she said, I'm a sexual person and when I'm interested in something, I want to know so much about it. That's why I did those big naked movies, which is what she calls them. <laughs> the big but naked then she movie. goes on, and she has said this before, but I think she's gone into more kind of depth about it. She says, I signed up to do a very different version of the film we ended up making. And it was a kind of a combo of the author of the books having too much kind of say in it. Because I think when the movie was announced, and it was announced that Sam Taylor Johnson was directing it, I remember being really shocked because I was like, oh, these are like such smutty, terribly written yes. books. Like, there's much better erotica out there. Anyway, when I saw that Sam Taylor Johnson was doing it, I was like, oh, wow, she's a proper, like, esteemed director. We won't get into her questionable relationship. That's for another podcast. But if she's taking this, then she's going to make it into something amazing, which is why I kind of, like, understood why Dakota Johnson 
had signed up for it because and Charlie Hunnam as well like when he was the original yeah. Christian Grey and he was coming off the back of Sons of Anarchy and he's just so like I am a serious actor so it was like oh wait we've got all these serious people signed on for this film franchise that is coming off the air these terrible books it did seem like it was going to be a really big deal I remember like the production company and the press at the time they were trying to make it into being like it's a love story it's beautiful it's coming out on Valentine's Day because I remember I was supposed to interview Sam Taylor Johnson Mm. but then you know like before you do a big interview you have caveats like you have to sign forms to say like I won't ask these questions that questions and I wasn't allowed to ask anything about any like the kind of problematic nature of the film Mm. any of the kind of backlash any of those questions I was only allowed to ask like why should people go and see it this Valentine's Day wow, so I pulled the interview, interview. <laughs> no then yeah. I had to pull the interview and then they disinvited me from the screening <gasps> oh was my whole situation. so the I'm in a feud with this movie yes but then she actually goes on to say that the author E.L. James had a lot of creative control and she demanded certain things oh, happen this sounds so chaotic she even calls it psychotic she <laughs> yeah, literally exactly. Dakota calls the experience psychotic which I think is like an incredibly inflammatory term to be used unless you mean it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and look, it sounds like E.L. James is a bit of a chaos machine, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds like she was on the set and she had this thing that she wanted, like the inner monologue from mm-hmm. the book, which was horrific. Horrific. Included in the movie. And like Dakota's saying, like it was incredibly cheesy. It didn't work to say it out loud. It was always a battle. It was so funny as well because Dakota's like, oh, it works so well in the book. And it's like, oh, you're being so it diplomatic. Doesn't work it in does the book. not work in the book. <laughs> You're just being diplomatic. It was just like Twilight fanfic, why people liked these books. Like It's like what they wanted to happen in Twilight. I love them. I love them, but they're stupid. And like the book's concept was what we all loved. Mm. And then the actual like written dialogue was terrible. Like I want to know if E.L. James was responsible for Later's Baby making it into the film. Oh, 100%. 100%. (laughs) You can just tell that she was like, oh, man, I should have put that in the book. This is going to be movie gold. Instead, like everyone's cringing at it. So I think like what Dakota Johnson is trying to get across is that she's not trying to slam the movies that kind of yes. made her but at the same time she just wants us to know like she really needs us as an audience to know that she did not sign up for this but yeah she's super self-aware she knows these are the films that made her if you want to read go even deeper into this <laughs> amazing interview we'll put the link in the show notes for you well thank you so much for listening to the spill today and a big thanks to anyone listening who's a Mamma mia subscriber Subscriptions cost as little as five seventy five a month. For more information, head to www.mamamia.com.au backslash subscribe. This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick and Gia Moylan with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au and on The Spill podcast Instagram. Bye. Bye. <laughs>